Curiously Polar with Chris Marquardt and Mario Aguarona. Hello everyone, this is Chris Marquardt and uh, with me as usual, Mario Aguarona. Hello. Hello Chris, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful. Um, After recovering from a 45-minute-long episode last time, uh, but hey, I, I, you know what? I love it when we, when we start with a topic and then we have these deviations into other fields. Uh, it just means that there's there's plenty more to come where this came from because I don't think we will run out of material anytime soon. Um, this week's episode, we want to talk a bit more about something that relates to the Earth's magnetic field. Now, this time we're not talking about the compass and uh, and the navigation, but um, we want to talk about a phenomenon that has to do with the magnetic field, also with the magnetic field, and that is the aurora. Yes, and um, of course, uh, this is something that is quite high up in the news at the moment because we have a lot of uh, activity on the sun and... Uh, at least up here in the in the uh in the area where i live up in tromso there is uh, a flow of tourists that come over and want to see the aurora and uh auroras are great great things I mean, you had uh, a trip to uh, the lofoten recently and you managed to show your your wife uh, a, a little aurora it wasn't the it maybe was her, the best but the it was her first aurora and she was very excited about it but um, it wasn't. It wasn't a massive one. They come in very different sizes and shapes and speeds and uh, and expressions. Yes, and uh, and they are uh, they are into. Uh, I mean, they are something that is uh, has been fascinating people uh, since people have been looking at these. And there are different um, different beliefs about auroras in the uh, the Inuit in uh, in uh, in northern. Um, Northern America, in the north of Americas, and uh, in Greenland, they they have a myth about the auroras being uh, uh, the the gods or uh, some uh, beings that are playing around with the heads of uh, playing some sort of football with the with the with the heads of walruses, with the crania of walruses, <laughs> uh -huh. which, is, which is quite quite interesting, especially if you've seen how heavy. Uh, a walrus head is, then uh, you would not like to kick one of those. <laughs> um, another interesting belief, and this was uh, something that <laughs> actually met uh, my met me when I when I came to Tromsø in 2007 to to live here, is uh, that there were uh, uh, the there were a lot of Japanese tourists, young couples. Uh, they came over here in their honeymoon or like uh, early in their in their couple life. And they even had, uh, at one point, there was even a, a direct flight uh, from Tokyo that would uh, take uh, tourists directly here to, uh, to Tromsø, uh, then stop also in Finland at one point and back again. I think Finnair was, uh, was instrumental in, in trying to get this uh, flow of tourism. And uh, I've been told, but uh, of course, correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, this is what I've been told, is that uh, these... Uh, Tourists were here to conceive because uh, uh, conceiving under the aurora is considered uh, apparently a very good omen for for the for the newborn. 
Wow. Yeah. So I, I haven't heard of that, but um, yeah, anyone who listens to this, can you confirm? Exactly. I, I hope that there is somebody that knows more about Japanese habits and uh, legends. Uh, but uh, but it was quite a cute little thing because, <laughs> of course, uh, like uh, it's uh, it stimulates your fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> let's not go into too much detail here. Let's so, not go into detail. So let's let's be let's be uh, more serious here. So the aurora and, is called Northern Lights. In, yes, in in everyday language. Yes, um, and it was also the name of the of the sailing boat where we met each other, the, the Nordlicht. Nordlicht. So in in many in many uh, uh, European uh, cultures, it's called uh, the Northern Lights. Aurora is uh, more a, um, like a, a Greek derivative of uh, of uh, like a goddess, um, but um, the. Uh, the auroras uh, or northern lights are also happening in the south. It's just more difficult to see them because the location where they are most intense is uh, uh, overlapping with the continent, and there are not that many people that get to be there. When but there are southern lights. But there are southern lights. Are they yes, are they well. weaker than the northern lights, or are mm, they just less less no. observed? No, they are just uh, less observed. Okay, and. Uh, and uh, there are some really nice images uh, taken from the from the space, international space station of the auroras uh, seen from from the from the sky from from the outer part of the of the Earth's atmosphere um, that uh, that are just fantastic, and you can see them also in other planets. Um, the uh, Cassini um, spaceship, or the Cassini, what's it called, a sonde in uh, the um, the probe, uh, yes, the probe, Cassini yeah. probe that that recently was uh, ended its mission by plunging into Saturn, in and being destroyed in there, had uh, taken really really interesting uh, uh, views of the uh, of the uh, auroras on Saturn, hmm. and um, and uh, auroras are on on different planets and Jupiter is also auroras um, that have been observed uh, by the probes uh, approaching. Um, but um, they are, of course, uh, an interaction between the magnetic field of the planets and the solar wind, like on the Earth. But uh, apparently, um, the um, the auroras on Saturn are kind of different, and they are also like happening in the in the infrared spectrum. But uh, but uh, if we go back to the uh, to the Earth's uh, auroras on our planet, um, well, they, as you're saying, they they are connected to our previous episode because, of course, the uh, big part of the existence of the aurora is the magnetic field of the Earth. Uh, so this uh, um, field that is generated by the electric currents that are uh, made by the convection currents uh, in the Earth is mantle or in the inner part of the Earth. So we have uh, we have the magnetic field um, that is uh, uh, englobing the Earth, is passing through the Earth, and it's dipping into the into the poles. 
Oh, and that's and, and that's is, where these where these where these polar well these magnetic lines, as I've seen that that on on pictures, kind of uh, these virtual invisible lines, but they dip into the earth. So is, into the is, earth is exactly. that where it's so close to the earth that that's why it's visible there? The aurora. Exactly, exactly. And this is this is where the uh, particles that are uh, coming uh, from the uh, uh, from the sun. So the the protons and the electrons that are part of the flow that is called the the um, the the wind the solar wind come into contact with the magnetic magnetosphere the magnetic field of the earth and are captured and they uh, are coming towards the earth and dipping into the earth at the different uh, uh, places around the place where the magnetic field is actually dipping into the surface of the earth so uh, the uh, the wind, the actual uh, solar wind, cannot penetrate deep towards the Earth, and and flows around it, and we are talking about uh, sixty five thousand kilometers away. But there is a a, a generation of uh, electrical uh, potential that uh, actually creates the auroras so the, the auroras are an, are an expression of the solar winds interfering with uh, the earth's magnetic field yes um, so if the earth's magnetic field wouldn't be there that there's a good chance we wouldn't exist because all that stuff would not be kept away from the earth of course this is the magnetic field is something that is uh, that is actually protecting the yeah. surface of the earth from the solar wind and that is uh, we will be, in any case, if we existed, we would be a totally different uh, form of life than what we, what we know now. But uh, when, the, uh, when the, uh, the solar wind comes to, towards the Earth, then the, the, uh, the electrons uh, from the solar wind collide with the nitrogen in the, uh, in the upper atmosphere, and they actually ionize the, uh, the nitrogen. And uh, and they um, and they create something that uh, we can see in uh, in the uh, fluorescent lights uh, that uh, so we we can we can look at the discharge uh, or the emission of uh, electromagnetic radiation from the nitrogen atoms uh, that are ionized um, so that are losing one electron and then reabsorbing one electron again um, so it's, it's, and, it's electroluminescence pretty much yes and and when we look at the when I say nitrogen is because uh, a lot of it is about the nitrogen that is ionized because there's a lot of nitrogen then, in the atmosphere yes and then we we get the uh, we get the nice uh, the nice uh, red auroras but then we can also get the uh, oxygen. Uh, that is uh, also hit and ionized, and then it has some bands of uh, of emission that are coming all the way down to the green part of the spectrum. So from the red to the green. So is, this is uh, why we see all these different colors. If you are lucky to have a very high energetic aurora, I have seen um, a few auroras in my life, and they really range from anything from from like just a faint greenish thing on the horizon that almost looks like looked like a 
like a let's say a green sunrise behind the horizon uh up to auroras that were slowly dancing along the sky in bands as they do and uh one time on a ship around greenland there was this aurora coming straight from the top very fast almost like an explosion in, in lots of different colors so that was um i guess pretty much the bandwidth of auroras that you can get and they can be yes. very very different hmm. Yeah, the um, the the position of the aurora with respect to the observer uh, it depends on whether the observer is right below the aurora oval. Uh, so this uh, uh, oval around the magnetic north pole or the magnetic south pole. So um, so if you are right below it, then you see the aurora right above. And if you're further away, like you could see auroras down to northern Germany in the uh, in the past days, the past couple of weeks, and these are very low on the horizon because the aurora oval is very far away and you can see uh but if you search for aurora oval on the uh in the internet then you can uh, you can find some uh, graphic depiction of where where it is but so it's, it roughly parts uh, passes on top of alaska uh um, some the well southern greenland north of iceland and northern norway if we are talking about areas where it's mostly likely that people would go and look for auroras, if you're talking about the northern hemisphere. So when you, and, 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 okay, let's go one step back. The solar activity creates the solar wind, which then helps create the aurora here on earth. Um, so, so we do have kind of a way if we know the solar activity to do a bit of a forecast. Um, it probably takes a while for the solar wind to arrive. Um, and then we have a bit of a forecast of how much of that we can expect. And this is one of the reasons, I suppose, that now when we record this, it's middle of, uh, mid of September 2017, that, um, that it could be forecasted that there would be a lot of activity. Yeah, uh, well, the uh, the activity of the sun, of course, is uh, has uh, well, the sun is also its its own magnetic field, uh, which has a cycle, and um, and uh, with the solar cycle, we we have heard about sunspots and sun flares and solar storms, maybe, and uh, and they 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 cycle. They have uh, they have more or less uh, of emission of material from the surface of the sun throughout the. Uh, throughout the year and throughout the uh, the years and uh well if uh, if we see uh, that the uh, that the solar wind um, travels at around 200 to 400 kilometers per second but even faster um then we have uh, we we can see that it takes a couple of days for the for the uh for the uh, for this wind the solar wind to reach the our our planet and um yeah and then uh, then you, we can measure the activity of the sun uh looking there are some instruments that are measuring the solar activity on the sun so we can see where when uh, the activity is going to be maximum and uh, there are also some moments of predicting where the aurora is and like in hourly forecast and nasa has uh as uh, as a service that uh, that um, actually predicts the aurora, the University of Tromsø has a magnetometer. Usually, measure it uh, with a, with a magnetometer, 
the measures more like on the on the Earth's side when there is the highest chance of seeing the aurora. So when the the highest magnetic activity there is, and these are where the indexes that you're talking about the uh, the KP value uh, is. Uh, important that's a that's a value that has um now now when we were in lofoten we uh, i installed a couple of forecast apps. aurora forecast apps on my smartphone yes. and they all talk about that kp value which uh is an uh, indicator for how strong i think it goes from zero to nine or something and then yes the higher it is the more likely it is that an aurora is visible do you know what the kp stands for Ooh, uh, um, yes. <laughs> because I couldn't find it, but it it is a value that is yeah. um, that is indi indicative of the possible it's, strength of an aurora. It's um, the, it's an index, um, so it is a, an um, it is based on the uh, on the uh, uh, measurements in spans of time of the uh, of the um, geomagnetic activity. So. Uh, is uh is a logarithmic index i know and uh it is uh actually coming to nine so nine is the uh, is the uh, is the highest value and uh and you have different also different kinds of uh, of kp index so it, it can be divided into uh, into different other different uh, um how do you call it uh, values uh, or sub values i found the but, meaning uh, i found it i found it yeah it's of but, course uh, german <laughs> yeah yeah pk's uh, kp planetarische kennziffer yeah it's a planetary index pretty much sorry exactly. for interrupting but this is, no, this no, is no too, problem. too funny no problem <laughs> yes but uh but uh, you know that the, if you are below uh below three you have very little um, activity so right. there is quite a little uh, chance of seeing the aurora and if you go from four to nine then you have uh, the uh, you have the highest chance of seeing the aurora but uh, you know the auroras are not uh, coming on command so uh, even if the value is or the kp value is high you might uh, not see an aurora and this happened if the value us. is low you can see an aurora this happened to and, us uh, uh, in in lofoten the, the the apps were going alert alert look outside kp7 it's very likely to see an aurora look north and we went outside and there was nothing at all so it, it can happen yes. yeah so so you can uh, you can have a very detailed things and uh, of course the kp value is is nice you have uh, uh, the uh, another form of kp value called the wing kp index is uh, is uh, having many more details of uh, of how the uh, how the um, how the uh, solar wind or the geomagnetic activity is is uh, is affecting the uh, the uh, earth and these um the chances of seeing an aurora there are different other um different other ways of looking at it but uh, the best thing is uh, is to be out and to be looking at uh, at the sky and um and you and, do not and have being patient being patient and being patient so when when tourists come here to uh, to the north and uh, and ask it uh, when when can i see the aurora i say like when when is the aurora on uh, it's not something that we can say with extreme precision when is it going to be visible we can only have a 
a likelihood that we're going to be seeing an aurora. <laughs> and of course, it always depends on if there's a cloud cover or not. So up in Lofoten, it we had a that. few days with good aurora activity, but cloud cover, so we couldn't see it. Definitely. And yeah. and you have auroras also during the day, but you don't see them because the light not. of the sun is so is so is so high and strong that you don't see them. And one way you can see the auroras uh, in the uh, in the uh, periods where, for example, up here where you have the the midnight sun or close to the um, close to the equinox, you actually find that uh, if you use a camera with a camera sensor and in the right settings, then you might be able to capture an aurora, even if you don't see it with your own eyes, but your camera will be able to, to check and to see the auroras. Uh, that's that's one of the things from a from a photographer's point of view, which uh, has recently become possible to show to to shoot video of the aurora um, at real time. Up to several years ago, that was simply not possible because the the sensitivity of the cameras wasn't high enough. So you mm. had to you had to if you wanted to show video of an aurora, you had to put several long exposures in and chain them up and then you would have kind of a time lapse of an aurora but uh, nowadays you have you have sensors that uh, cameras that you can raise the iso to 50,000 100,000 really high values mm -hmm. compared to the iso 100 to 1600 that you would have had of 10 years ago so nowadays um there are we will put a few links in the show notes of course if anyone wants to dive deeper but there are now real-time videos of auroras um so you can get an idea what they feel like and of course they are always much nicer in person than on a video so experiencing an aurora is just a very different thing it, it does it, it's uh it's magical but uh well uh to uh to give some, of course, you're going to be, we're going to be putting some some links. But uh, just to give an idea, if you have a a relatively bright lens with an f of 2.8, uh, I learned that if you have like if you put the ISO at 400, then we need about a, a 20 seconds yes. exposure. Yes. And and uh, and and then you can work yourself with a table of like if you increase the ISO about how short the exposure time would be or like changing the lens. But the the problem with taking a picture that has such a long exposure is that on the one side, the aurora, if it, if it moves and they usually move and sometimes very fast, then it will become a, it will become a blur. Mm -hmm. So uh, so if you take a, a single exposure, then you would have a blur. And, uh, and then you would have the sky moving behind it. Uh, so the, uh, you will see the, uh, the trace of the, of the stars moving in the sky. Why? And that is, uh, uh, that is something that, uh, might give some really nice artistic effects, but they are not, uh, <laughs> they're not uh, giving you the true impression of how you experience the aurora. And, uh, and going up with the ISOs and being able to take a film is actually, uh, it's actually great because you can, you can really reproduce what you are, what you are feeling, uh, about the aurora. The other thing is about the the color temperature, and uh, then we talked uh, in other places where about the color temperature. But uh, if you leave the camera on your uh, standard settings, I can, I can say from experiences, like I'm not uh, pretending to be a photographer here. But <laughs> if you leave your cameras on the standard white balance, then you would have just green auroras, even if there are colors. And, uh, and then, of course. Uh, Chris so if might you, be elaborate you, on this, but <laughs> well, if if you can, well, we're not going to make this into an, an aurora photography episode, but uh, a few hints: if you set your 
camera if, if you can set the 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 kelvin temperature that's color temperature on your camera uh, a value that has usually worked quite well is a fixed value of around 3600 um, that tends to give some of the best results one of my favorite aurora photos ever was from that ship around greenland there there was a beautiful aurora at the horizon and uh, there was a bit of orange light at the horizon as well from the sunset And now the problem there was it was on a moving ship. So how do you put all these things together and uh, and still get a decent photo? And I had to employ a few tricks. First of all, I had to go a very high ISO to get a short shutter speed of around two seconds. So those two seconds would then be enough for the exposure. And then the ship moves And of course, it moves up and down and up and down. And if you time it well so that it's almost at the top of this motion and it was a big enough ship that it wouldn't move too fast, then you can get most of the most of the aurora kind of in frozen in space. Um, it's also It was also helpful to put the camera on a tripod because I wanted to include parts of the ship in the foreground. It's not just the aurora, it's also its surroundings. And... Uh, The tripod being on deck of the ship made sure that the ship itself was completely in focus and completely uh, without camera shake. But then I had one issue. The, the Aurora came out fine. The ship came out fine. The four in the background all worked together well. But then I had one issue, and that was the stars in the sky. As you said, the sky moves. And if you're on a moving ship, you have a lot of <laughs> little squiggly lines <laughs> of squiggly stars. Squiggly lines, yes. So uh, in order to, to get this, and it looked horrible. That part didn't look nice. So I took the artistic freedom to to go in and spend, I think, over an hour cloning out every single little squiggly line <laughs> to, to, and just and just made the stars invisible this way. But it was a lot of it was a lot of manual labor to get to that point. But I, the, exactly. I love the result. We're going to link to that photo so you can have a look. I, I'm yes. happy, so happy with that photo. Mm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just uh, as we finish off, like, where can you see the auroras? Well, um, there is um, in one of the aurora service, I found a very nice uh, map of uh, how strong does the aurora have to be in order for you to see uh, what, what kind of index or KP index you need in order to see it at your location. And uh, just to give you an idea for for an aurora to be seen in uh, in northern germany or southern uk then you need a kp index of seven uh, if you are uh, in the uh, south of the lofoten or in northern iceland then you will need a, a kp of two if you are in tromso then a kp of one is enough and if you want a kp of zero then you would need to be sure like like seeing the aurora However, which, which, what, whichever uh, KP index you have, then you would have to be like in around Scorsby Sound in Greenland and uh, Jan Mayen Island or Bear Island up uh, here uh, in the Barents Sea. Wonderful. So, hmm? all right. So we pull, we will put a plan, a plan. <laughs> My English is plenty. fading me. Yes. We are putting plenty of links in the show notes, so you will be able to follow everything and dig deeper if you. Uh, so inclined um, thank you so much for listening to Curiously Polar our little podcast about all things very north and very south and um, we're signing off until next week where we will talk about why is Greenland called Greenland that will be very interesting so 
take care and Mario, stay cool. Stay cool, Chris. Stay cool.